Today's episode is brought to you by the She Leads Podcast Network, the first network for women by women. Visit SheLeadsPodcast.com to learn more today. Welcome to the Creative Visionaries Podcast. My name is Tori Barker, a digital marketing specialist, business owner, mom, and you guessed it, a creative visionary. This podcast is about inspiring business owners, building connections, sharing success stories, and motivating others. Join me on this journey as we tap into your true potential and unleash your inner visionary. Hey there, podcasters. Are you looking to take your show to the next level? Let me introduce you to PodTask, the innovative platform that simplifies the podcasting process and equips you with the tools you need to succeed. With PodTask, you can say goodbye to the headache of managing multiple tasks and deadlines. This app provides a comprehensive systemization and task management platform that helps you streamline the podcasting process. And it doesn't just stop there. PodTask also offers AI-based marketing tools to give your podcast a competitive edge. As a fellow podcaster, I know from experience how important it is to have a reliable and efficient tool like PodTask to keep you on track. It helped me save so much time in post-production, which allows me to focus on what really matters, creating great content for my listeners. So if you want to take your podcast to the next level, be sure to check out PodTask. As a special offer to my listeners, you can sign up today and get started with their free forever plan by visiting creativevisionariespodcast.com forward slash podtask. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us again on the Creative Visionaries podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing you to our guest, Max Lambright. Max, welcome on the show. Thanks for having me, Dora. So tell us about uh, the other side of the desk and tell us who you are. Uh, well, the other side of the desk is uh, the podcast for our new uh, business venture. I uh, started a new company um, a couple months ago with uh, four other partners. We're calling it the Executive Chair, and it's just a continuing <laughs> episode in the saga of me being coaching and being CEOs. This is my eighth time being a CEO, <laughs> and I... I I thought I was too old to hire and too young to retire, but I, you know, I'm like Michael Corleone. Just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in, you know? So uh, <laughs> you still I'm, have I'm so much to give. Well, I'm teaming up with a bunch of young kids. I mean, they're all, they're not kids, but they're kids to me. And they seem to be enjoying, you know, learning from the old man and uh, we're having a heck of a good time. So I, I'm really enjoying it. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I was committed to, to not retiring. I, I don't believe in retirement. I mean, you retire and six months later, you die of a heart attack. Well, it Ugh. still could happen, but I, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to try to buy the ticket for it. How's that? <laughs> I like that approach. That's a good, good, good way to look at it. So as the CEO or one of the CEOs for the executive chair, mm -hmm. tell me what it is that you guys do. We have built out a peer-to-peer -peer community subscription model for a community for CEOs and next generation leaders who want to prepare to make that leap to the corner office because it is a well-known fact that um, the true education, preparation, and support 
for corner office executives, especially at the small and medium business level, just doesn't exist. Absolutely. Uh, McKinsey did a report, uh, did a survey uh, on behalf of Wharton Business School. Uh, they surveyed 4,400 global business leaders, and 83 of the percent of them came back saying they were unprepared for their current position. 68% of them came back and said that the organization they work for right now wasn't supporting them. Yeah. Now, that's, those are scary numbers. I mean, they, they were stunning to me. So, the, And these are the largest organizations in the world. I mean, those are Fortune 1000 and 2000 corporations. So, the you know, you can just imagine how that translates or correlates with small and medium businesses that don't have the resources that the big ones do. So... We're finding that people are really enjoying or are, are, are interested in what we're doing. And the other thing we're doing is we're making it affordable. Yeah. I mean, there, you know, there are a ton of uh, executive coaches out there and the world needs more of them, to be honest, more good ones. But they also, the world needs this to be available, accessible and affordable. And that's yeah. what we're committed to providing. Yeah, I've, I've heard so many times that um, people who get into those CEO roles have been just promoted, right? And then they are, mm -hmm. yep. so they, so they, yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> Me? Yep. yep. So they, they've been successful in a manager role or whatever right. that might have been. And then the opportunity arises for them to level up into that CEO role. But like you're saying, they don't have the proper training or experience to that next level. And so I love that you guys offer this kind of gap to bridge the gap um, and give them exactly what they need. And like you said, the, the Fortune 1000 companies themselves have this issue. So if that's what we're looking at from the top, and then you look down to the middle small business size companies, I can just imagine the the kind of frustration that these people are in because they probably they're like I want to do a good job but I don't know where to start and so I love that you have this community that you put together to kind of coach them and guide them and, and educate them and get them to a place where they're not pulling their hair out and they're doing a great job and they're feeling good about what they're doing you're absolutely right two points I want to make one is there are no schools for CEOs all right it's all on the job training yeah. And depending on which survey you believe, 30 to 70 percent of the CEO, new CEOs will not make it successfully through their first 18 months. Um, I call it the loneliest job in the world yeah. because everybody in the organization is hanging on your every word. They're watching your body language. They're watching your facial expression. Everybody that comes into your office wants something from you. They want time. They want attention. They want resources, a pat on the back. They want uh, a raise, you know, a vacation, time off, whatever. But everybody that comes in wants something from you. There's no place for you to go. Uh -huh. Mary Barra, who is now the CEO of GM, was promoted from the president of the GM truck division to become CEO. And she's been quoted as saying the, the, the most surprising thing about my, that my ascension to that role was is that I have no peer. It's extraordinarily lonely. Even when she was president of a division, she could talk to other divisional presidents and say, right. look, I've got this issue. What do you think? When she's at the top, there ain't nobody else to talk to. Yeah. Right? So what we're providing is that sounding board, that uh, resource, and 
the, the thing about us is the, the, the leadership team we've put together at the executive's chair is that we've all been there, we've done it, and we've mm-hmm. bought T-shirts for the entire company. <laughs> Multiple times, most of us. So, you know, I mean, I say we need more executive coaches, but the one thing I don't understand is why a CEO who's struggling or who wants help would hire a coach who hasn't been a CEO. True. Very true. Why, why would you do that? Yeah. Okay. But, you know, there there are people out there doing that. And we think there's a reason for it. It's because the type of help they're looking for is not accessible and not affordable. Yeah. It was a struggle for me to get coaching when I was a, a sitting CEO because the board didn't want to pay for that. You know, the owners didn't want to pay for it. They, you know, I'm the CEO. I'm supposed to have all the answers. That's why right. we hired you. You know, you're the one, you know, you should be able to do all this. And it's tough. It's it's a tough role. It really is. Yeah. And you said, you know, it's, it's lonely at the top, right? Mm-hmm. And I think oh, yeah. one of the key things that you said is that there hasn't been the resources out there like there are starting to come about right now. Um, and like you said, affordable too, right? You can right. probably find a coach who can coach you on X, Y, and Z, but whether they have the relative experience, have been in that seat before, they understand the intricacies of um, what your role is, it's not going to benefit you like it would to have somebody of your nature uh, coaching them. You're absolutely right. The small, uh, the, uh, small Business Administration says there's 650,000 uh, uh, companies in the United States with, with from 20 to 500 employees. All right. So 650,000. Let's just do the math here for a second. Let's just assume that they have at least three C-level executives in each one of those corporations, which is low. But OK, we'll, 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 we'll dumb the numbers down here. So <laughs> about two million C-suite executives okay, in the United States right now. Vistage, which is a wonderful organization, has for what they they say on their website they have forty thousand five thousand members. Well, forty five thousand. What percentage of that is two million? That's mm. not even ten percent. Okay. Yeah. So all those other executives that are out there that would really benefit from coaching, from mentoring, and that's the other thing we talk about. I'm a mentor. I've been there and done it. That's the difference between me and a coach. I also do coaching as well too. But yeah. I've been there and done it. So mentoring is a mentor is someone who's who can show you what to do and what not to do, mm-hmm. which I spend a lot of my time telling them, no, don't do that. I'm going to tell you what's <laughs> going to happen. You don't want to do that. Trust me on this one. And so Vistage, you know, I mean, people ask me, you know, is Vistage your competition? We don't have any competition. I mean, it's yeah. such a wide open field that there, there's such a need for this that, you know, God bless them. I used to be a member of Vistage. I belong to Vistage. Okay. I, you know, so I, I hope they grow dramatically because the needs out there. As a podcaster, you know that creating great content is only half the battle. That's where Remarker comes in. Remarker is a podcast branding production and marketing solution. Whether you're a seasoned podcaster or just starting out, Remarker will help you grow your show and build your authority. So why wait? Head to creativevisionariespodcast.com slash remarker, that's R-E-M-A-R-K-R, where you can book a demo and discover how Remarker's full-service approach can benefit you and your podcast. 
So talk to me about this kind of next generation of C-suite executives. Yep. Do you see, I'm, I'm assuming obviously a lot more of this uh, younger generation coming into the C-suite, but do you also still have the older generation that you're, you're working with as well? The answer to that is yes, um, to both. But I, I'll, I'll put you on the spot here. Guess, what do you think the average age of a CEO is in the United States right now? 35. 59. Really? Yes. Wow. So that's why we're focusing on the next generation. The average age of a CFO right now in the United States is 54. Wow. Right. Wow. Now, Hmm. we're- That's a lot of opportunity. (laughs) Well, it's a lot of opportunity, but also that's another thing COVID has done that we have not begun to see the ramifications of is that a lot of those individuals- you know, are looking to transition out. Mm, true. All right. And so the the succession planning and the transition planning for that next generation who are not prepared yeah. to create a craft of vision for the company, to build their own senior, le- senior leadership team, because as you say, they're going to get promoted. Yeah. So, you know, Bobby or, or Bobette, who went bowling with the, with the boys and girls on Tuesday night on Thursday now is their boss. Yeah. You know, I've done that. I've been in that. I was promoted a couple of times and it is a tremendously difficult transition for everybody, not just for the CEO, but for the people now that is reporting to the CEO who used to go have a beer with them on Tuesday night. Now it's, you, know, you still can go have a beer, but it's a whole different relationship. Dynamic. Yeah. So, yeah, it is. It truly is. So that next generation so, you know, we did the math a little earlier. We say there's two, two million C-suite executives right now. Well, let's just assume, and I know we're assuming a lot here, and I know what happens when you, we both know what happens <laughs> when you assume things, but, we'll, you know, we're playing along here, is that there's at least two capable candidates for every C-suite position in small and medium businesses. So that means there's four million potential leaders out there who are unprepared for that next role that they aspire to. Yeah. We'd love to be able to serve them as well too. And that's why we we're building this platform out that it's going to be remote accessible. It's a subscription model. It's affordable. They can hit it whatever time they want to. Uh, we're going to have, we have a repository of lessons that I'm teaching that yeah. my, my uh, counterparts are teaching as well that they can access at their time. But also then every week they have, we have a, an ask me anything session yeah. where they just you know, just fire off questions to Max and the team. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to give you a halfway decent answer. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. One of the things that has, has been a common thread in conversations that I've been having recently is this concept and focus around community. And mm-hmm. like you said, you know, there, there, there isn't really a place for these C-suites to go to talk to right. peers. And right. and the same is, is true for other industries and other like chief marketing officers. Like there's so many people who have now kind of had that light bulb moment that is like, we need to build community. We need to build community for specific things, for specific people, for specific roles so that we can all come together and grow and support each other throughout our careers. And so I love that that common thread and, and the direction that we're going with building community. We are building a large community, 
But then also as part of the subscription fee, not extra, part of it, there are going to be roundtables and there are going to be true peer-to-peer support groups. So there's going to be a CEO cohort, if you would like. Yeah. That, that word's big right now, cohort, isn't it? it? Is. That's not something that I've ever used. You know, I'm learning that <laughs> cohorts are really big, hot topic right now. So there's going to be a CMO cohort. There's going to be CFO cohorts as well. And the beautiful thing is, is our leadership team is that we have people who have been in those roles. Yeah. So it's not like a CMO, ex-CMO, is going to be trying to teach CFOs, you know, or or try to moderate a a, a roundtable or a mastermind with them. Yeah. You know, there are going to be people that that have on the ground experience for a long time. They're going to be supporting those individuals. So yes, we're we're committed to grow that big community, but also specialized focused communities as well. I love that. That's so great. So one of the other questions I wanted to ask you was, what are some of the common mistakes that you see with these small to mid-sized businesses with the CEO C-suite level? Well, mistakes, let's let's say mistakes slash challenges. Yeah, okay? sure. Because um, the biggest mistake I ever made believe it or not, was not trusting my gut and making bad hires. A CEO is only as good as the team that is surrounds them. No CEO is hired to run the company. Mm. CEOs are hired to grow the company. You have a team that's there on a daily basis to run the company. That's not your job. Your job is to cre- create the vision, put the team together in place, to run the company on a daily basis and then go out and focus on the growth. The CEO of a small and medium business has to become the CGO, the chief growth officer. Now your VP of sales may not be happy to hear that, but it's too bad. Okay. Cause the board, me- when the board meeting, every quarterly board meeting, when you're not hitting your growth numbers, they don't want to talk to the VP of sales. They're looking at you like, why didn't you hit the numbers? It's, yeah. Yeah, it's all on, on the CEO. So the biggest mistake I ever made was was not trusting my gut, hiring somebody that was that my spouse at the time, my CFO, two other people on my senior leadership team says, don't hire this person. Ego got in the way. I, I knew what I was doing. I was smarter than everybody. I was out of a job in six months. Ugh. That person backstage. It was beautiful. I mean, it was it was like a Shakespeare play. Oh. I mean, that he played me like a, you know, a fiddle. <laughs> a, a cheap fiddle, not even a good one. All right, my, my daughters are both violin players. I know how much fiddles cost, and this one was he played me like a cheap fiddle. You know, okay, yes, <laughs> that's the biggest mistake. So the I, I would say to answer your question directly, the biggest mistake a CEO can make is not put not being able to identify and put into place the right leadership team, Hmm. okay? The biggest challenge they have are two. One is crafting the vision for the organization. What do we want to be when we grow up, all right? And that, you, you, nobody, you have to learn that on your own, okay? And the second challenge is dealing with the board or with the owners, because every board member and every owner and every banker believes in their heart of hearts they could do a better job of being CEO than you can. And every one of them is wrong. 
Okay. Yeah. But you can't convince them of that. Okay. <laughs> That's so true. And I love that you say, you know, trust your gut, because I think a lot of um, what I do is that intuition and trusting my gut in the entrepreneurial space, because for me, you know, I come from corporate. Uh, and so being an entrepreneur is a new journey for me. And so that's the only thing I can lean on, right, is that that intuition, and that gut feeling to know, mm -hmm. you know, is this the right, you know, client to work with? Is this the right, you know, employee to bring on? Is this the right service to offer? And so unless you have that direct connection and, and understanding of, you know, what's true and what's right and what's uh, going to take you in the best direction. You have to kind of have to lean into that until you get to a place where you have a mentor like you who can advise you and tap you on the shoulder and say, no, 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 turn this way. <laughs> well, without getting too woo, woo on you here, it took me decades to figure out that when my gut and my heart and my head were in alignment, I didn't have to worry about the decision I was making because I was making the right decision. Yeah. But when one of those weren't in alignment, when I, when, you know, it didn't feel right in one of those three areas, yeah, it was time to back off because okay. the other the, a line I use with my team and they get tired of hearing it. And if you hear it out of context, it may not sound very professional, whatever. I say there are no babies on operating tables here. Okay. <laughs> We don't have any big problems here. We can, you know, we can delay a decision. We can step yeah. back and look at this. This is not an emergency. Yeah. I mean, I've never in in 45 years of business, I've never seen a situation where we had to make the decision in the next five minutes. It's not like that at all. Yeah, it's not but life made, or death. <laughs> yes, but I've made decisions in the next five minutes that I still regret to this day. Mm. That I wish I would have believed my own words and stepped back and relooked at those those decisions. Yeah. Well, I know that the listeners out there, there are plenty of them, I'm sure, who can take advantage of what it is that you and your team are building. So I'd love you to love for you to give an opportunity for them to 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 reach out to you or find out how they can uh, learn about, you know, getting support from you and your team. A couple of ways to do that. One is just go to www.executiveschair.com. They can reach me at max at executiveschair.com. And um the other thing I'll offer your listeners is, is if they reach out and say that they, you know, that they heard, they heard us talking on this show, you know, they get a free hour with me right, to talk about their situation. Um, and uh, the other side of the desk is our podcast, which is where one of our part, my partners, we get on there and, and they ask me a question and I talk for 45 minutes, kind of like <laughs> what I've done here today, just ramble on. <laughs> uh, and they'll find some insights there if they'd like. And it's also out on YouTube as well, too. So, um, but um, that's the best way to find out about us. But um, we're, we are, you know, we're more than happy to have a conversation and talk about that and talk about them and how we might be of help to, help to them. So love that. that's the best way to reach me, reach us. Yeah, well, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and, and insight and just all of this wonderful information. I think what you're doing is phenomenal and building that community around these C-suites and, and helping to elevate us, you know, in the future generations. Well, thank you for the opportunity, Tori. I, uh, we hope in a small way, you know, one of the things that a, a CEO really does think about is leaving a legacy. Mm. And there are three steps to leaving a legacy. You do you teach, and you leave behind. Mm -hmm. 
my kids hate going to the movie with me because I always stay till the end of the movie to watch the credits. All right. Because it's fascinating to me. You get to see the little Easter eggs once in a while, the little funny vignettes. But you, you also you see all the people that are involved in the making of a motion picture. It's an it's amazing number. Well, you know, in life, we don't get to see the credits. But if you think of the credits of all the people that you've been engaged with, that you've had an impact on, you might look at differently about leaving a legacy because they get to see your credits. They get to engage with you and they're going to go on beyond what you're doing. And that's how we leave a legacy. So hopefully we're able to do that with the executive's chair. That's great. Thank you so much, Max, for being a guest on the show. And uh, let's go out there and make it a great day, everyone. Thank you, Tori. Thanks so much for listening to the Creative Visionaries podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, or share with a friend. Also, make sure to visit us online at creativevisionariespodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And stay tuned for more episodes to come. And remember, it's time to tap into your true potential and unleash your inner visionary.